Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. MyCastingFile, the place for talent to get their start. All right. Welcome to Talking Like Normal People, a show dedicated to talking about acting, casting, and auditions, and probably some other things, too, with people who love it. I'm your host, Ryan Glorioso, casting director based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again to all of our listeners and subscribers. Please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Stitcher. Um, and I'm serious. We we need some new reviews. We uh, It's getting a little stagnant in the review area. Came out hot and then just yeah. fizzled out. Let's yeah. go. I mean, maybe we need more new listeners or something. Everybody, all, all of our tens of listeners have already reviewed us. <laughs> Um, all right, so our, our postcard of the week. Postcard uh, of the week. Yeah, I got someone the, who, uh, it looks like she's holding up a tree. Aw. Yeah, a really she's, big tree. She's a tree hugger. Yeah. <laughs> she likes uh, trees. It says, hello, Catherine Dawson just signed with Red Willow Talent. I'm not sure who that is. Oh, they're in Charleston, South Carolina. Ah. Um, and then it has their address. It has her email address. And then a nice little picture on the back. Oh, that's me. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure about this the tree thing. Well, I think I like the tie-in between the agency name, like Redwood, and then the tree. Oh, it's a redwood, red tree. tree. She's really she's like Red Willow. Because I'm Is thinking, that a tree? I don't know. when I'm thinking casting female actress, I think redwoods and trees. Oh, not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it, it happened. Catherine, and, way to yep. go, though. You gotta, you're putting it out there. I'm a big postcard person. And so. now you got you to read it. And now uh, you're on the, the hottest casting podcast in the land. That's true. Boom. Right? Boom. So keep holding those trees. Speaking of being on the hottest podcasting. Finally. Podcasting <laughs> podcast in the land. Our, our guest this week is a truly seasoned veteran actor with over 130 film and TV credits. He is also an accomplished producer. I have personally never met anyone who enjoys what he does more than him. You'll remember him from films like Trumbo or as Jared Leto's father in Dallas Buyers Club. If you want to learn what it means to hustle in this business, then this is the guest for you. Please welcome James Dumont. Hey, hey, thank you. James Dumont. I'm a hustler, babe. Yeah, you do. You do have like I, yeah, a good yeah. hustle game. I do. Where does that come from? Uh, my dad was a salesman, so that was like the deal. Like, you know, like I learned from my dad. Do you, do you base a lot of characters off your dad? Yeah, totally. Really? Yeah, I channel him. I miss him dearly. Uh, I lost him when I was 20, so <sighs> I've had more of my life without him than with him. And uh, But he's with me like every single day. What did he sell? Uh, he was really kind of amazing. He brought lamination over to the United States. So like no one was doing lamination. It was a German thing. So lamination was like my dad's thing. And then photo identification cards was my dad. So, so like those little the driver's machines. License, the machines that like that would, used to laminate like menus. And he would <sighs> go to restaurants and he'd like, oh, I can get all, you know, you could change your thing. And he, I so he always was, wanted one of those machines. They were, I, we had, we have tons of them. <laughs> do you still? <laughs> we do. We do. We, and I also have like photo, like when I was in college, this is now past. So when I was in college, uh, he had, I had his photo ID equipment. So I, I sold fake IDs in Boston, which there's a, just a couple of schools in Boston. Speaking of hustling. Talk about hustling. I like, I was a hustler, man. Did I've you, always been. Did you have like the big, uh, like cardboard version cardboard of an thing, ID? thing, but here's the thing. My dad was doing the driver's license for Illinois. So I actually had the format. I just needed, and I got all the cards. Should you be I, saying this? No, I guess it's, it's, this, this is way, statute of limitations. This is 20 years. We're, we're, we're good. Okay. But I mean, like, <laughs> you, you would see, if you were in Boston <laughs> in the mid-80s and you were a bouncer, you must have seen, like, tons of Illinois. Drive. Like, what is everybody from Illinois? Like, Is there the a convention? But it was like, it was it's a real legitimate ID of, card. Of kids yeah. who say they're 21? And but, think about it, like, 20 bucks a pop, I did all right. right. Nice. It was worth it. See, you know? I think I have a lot of of your uh, hustle spirit. Oh, for sure. Just so you know, just like, the way you run I your would, business. I would totally sell those IDs. Oh yeah. <laughs> like in my in, I got in no, college I no or whatever, I would totally have been that guy. I wasn't, but I just didn't have the uh, the tools. Yeah. I mean, well, you, no, I had I had all the tools. <laughs> Ryan killed a in guy my, 12 years ago. Yeah? Wow. No, no. <laughs> that's a statue. That's not statute of limitation. Jason. I'm kidding. Easy. Morris Bart, we need your help. 
killed a guy with laughter. <laughs> killed him with exactly. laughter. Yes. With with my charm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start from the beginning. Like, go back as far as you All want. Right. Uh, where do you come <clears throat> from? How did you get here today? You, you know, tell us as much as you want about you. Oh, uh, cool. Uh, acting, I'll, not acting. Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I was, a, I was, a, I, uh, I'm originally from, born and raised in Chicago. And uh, one of my first gigs was a Gerber baby. I was actually on the Gerber, the Gerber baby uh, thing. They the jar? Sketch, yeah, the jar. They did a sketch of me and stuff. Oh. So that was like an early, I was a model, modal, actor modal. So uh, as a kid, and I did commercials. I did like a lot of like, because I was from Chicago. So Sears had commercials. McDonald's was there. So you've literally been in this business for five decades. If you count the, if you count the Gerber baby stuff. Numbers. Let's not talk numbers. That's amazing. It, no, it's amazing, but it can also make you sad. Of like, well, you know, like no one knows who the hell you are. Okay, you know, so there's so there's like, oh, well, great, you did all that thing, but no one cares and no one knows it. But no, yeah, so no, yeah, essentially. But then I stopped for a while and like played baseball and, you know, I just I just, but I for the most part, yeah, I've been doing this for like a long time. Like I have, a, I think I have, I have a headshot up on, on my Facebook page that has like my first. Headshot was like from 1980, you know, and it like it looks like Kelton actually, it looks like my son. That's you know, awesome. people are like, oh my god, it looks just like your son. Who's also a very <clears throat> a very good actor. He's good. His yeah. kid's good. Both of your kids. Thank you. Thank you. And Sinclair's like she's amazing. She's got she's a senior at NOCA, and uh, like I watch her on stage. She worked at the uh, Petit Theater doing a Tennessee Williams one act. You know, wow. this property's condemned, and I'm like, you're doing a, a Tennessee Williams one act. And where Tennessee Williams did his work. I mean, like, it just was... And then she gets on stage, and I'm just, like, not, like, the regular... And I'm I'm a pretty hard critic of stuff. Like, you know, and that's that's good acting. And I go, damn, she's just, she's just natural, Do, you know, and doesn't... Tr like, just effervescence. Does just she like, see you know, the significance, like, you see it, at, of her being in his space doing the show? She gets it, but it's also kind of like, Dad, that's just... What a dad stupid thing to say. You know, <laughs> like, you know, she's a teenager still, you know. Yeah. But but she she does get those things. Um, you know, our relationship's moving at an amazing level because now it's like she's going like, you know, we're going to go to BU and she's going to look at colleges and like, you know, she's feeling and, and she, you know, she was in New York the last two summers. The first summer she did like NYU experimental program. She's really into experimental performance art. She did her first wrote her first play. She's she's a triple threat. Wow. But what's hilarious is she's definitely my kid when it comes to like she's a theater snob. She's like, oh, I would never do film and television. That's so beneath <laughs> me. And I was like, uh. Just so you know what pays for the rent and the car and your clothes. I was like, it's film and television. Do, do, they, do your kids have that hustle? Do you see it in them? Uh, like the same kind of hustler? The I think Sinclair's kind of got it more in terms of just, you know, we just, you know, but my wife and I have a really amazing kind of work ethic. You know, like we, like, I, I, I don't, I move a lot. I'm a mover. Because I feel like if I kind of sit for a while, like being in New Orleans, moving to New Orleans was huge. Because I really, like, I... I stop and sit on my porch every once in a while and I just stop and I usually don't. Right. And so that's kind of huge for me. And when you're in markets like New York or LA, it's like, that's just kind of part of it. You know, you're like working your lines in the car and you're, you know, but when you're in New Orleans, it's really good for me to kind of stop and enjoy my life and go to jazz fest. And you know, we go listen to music or last night we went to a morning call and there was like live music. We walked over to the park and brought nice. the dog, you know, and I'm just like, I'm kind of enjoying my life for a while after hustling all the time, but I still, then I'll go home and I'll be, okay, I gotta get these, like, a, you know, I gotta go through this thing and that thing and get that information to that person. You know, it's like, I gotta find the next job. So I still kind of vacillate. I want to get into, I want to get into yeah. that, but go back to, yeah. So I was a kid actor. I got my, I, I did, I was a, I was an extra in risky business with Jason Gedrick and I, the two of us said, well, fuck it. We'll just do it. I can swear. Right. Cause yeah. I, I swear like a sailor. Um, I know cause, cause, Brent Caviero was swearing up a storm, so I figured I, I'm good. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, he changed our rating on the yeah. show. Yeah, see, that's good. So I'm, thank you, Brent. We had a, we had a I'm, spike, though. So well, I, I tell people when they come to my more. workout, I was like, I, I really, really swear a lot. I fucking swear a lot of fucking times. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's, a, David, it's a David Mammon in me. Um, so that, so in Chicago, so I did the risky business at, but I got my SAG card in blues brothers. So that was really kind of my cool thing. I was like, Oh my God, I got a SAG yeah, card. You had a line in the blues brothers. No, I was one of the kids dancing in the street. Nice. Like, you know, twisted, shake, 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 shake it, baby. So uh, yeah. So it was like, uh, I was up on the, uh, uh, the train platform because my uncle was in charge of the CTA public affairs. So I, I went on the train platform, but one of the kids had to go to school. So he had to leave. So then I, I replaced somebody and got up up front. Wow. So 
uh, there's a first kids in the beginning, and then I come in towards the end of the, what the was last it, thing. What was it like being on that set for the first time? Oh, it was amazing. I, and I didn't, I mean, because I kept, I mean, the, I mean, the Belushi and Aykroyd were like icons for me. Like, I watched every episode of Saturday Night Live that first season in 75. I mean, like, I was just like, they were huge to me. So the fact that we were in Chicago, and it was this big movie, and you had all these, like, music stars in it, you know, and it's just, I, it was huge. And I still, to this day, like I eventually worked with Ackroyd on uh, Get On Up, and I told him the story, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, I kept trying to get your audio of this, and it was like, <laughs> and it was like, uh, it's so then I then but then I went to high school. I started at Whitney Young, which is where Michelle Obama went. She was uh, there, and then I went to Evanston Township, and so I went to school with Jeremy Piven. He was in the same year as me, and Cusack was a two years or one year ahead behind us. But even Jeremy, uh, uh, John was hitting in high school. So right. he got like, so we were all like, oh my God, you know, the possibility of us, you know, and then I got a speaking part. My first big speaking part was in the movie Class, but it gets cut. Wow, but I had shit. all this like film time in class. So um, that kind of got me kind of going. Then I got a, a, I got, I did, I did a summer, uh, did uh, at uh, Steppenwolf. I was like an intern at Steppenwolf for the for summer. How old were you then? Like in high school? Still? High school. Yeah, it was between my uh, like my junior and senior year. I did Steppenwolf, and it was great because when I did Deep Water, I connected the dots with with uh, with John Malkovich. And he's like, Oh, oh wow. my God! You know, was like, he was he there? When yeah, you he were... was there. They were doing Bomb and Gilead. They were bringing Bomb and Gilead to wow. New York, and so um, as an intern there back in the day, did you take classes? Like acting no, classes, I think or? you just got coffee and you watched rehearsals. Oh, well, <laughs> and you cleaned toilets. That, I and you mean, took tickets and you ushered. I mean, Which wa- was watching I was the like, rehearsals is oh, that was a thing. Yeah, you know that was really huge. And and to wa- and years later, it's like uh, you know I was babysitting one of the kids, and it's like, you know, it's like then I later said, oh, I babysat your kids. They're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're in rehearsal, and so. But uh, so then I kind of uh, I auditioned for my daughter's about to do this. She's auditioning for all this, uh, the colleges in Chicago, in the same place that I did years ago. Wow. So I'm like. Oh my God, I remember this time in my life, you know. Uh, so I auditioned. I got into NYU. I got into BU. Uh, I got into uh, Goodman School of Drama. Uh, NYU didn't have any dorm stuff, so I said, no, I have to get an apartment. But then BU gave me a free ride. So I got a free ride to Boston University, and they, they had cuts in the program. So uh, they started with uh, 75 out of 1,500, and then the first year they cut like 15, and uh, the second year I got cut. So I got cut from the program. It, from the theater program? Theater program. So They had 1,500? 1,500 applicants. And uh, actually, it was 60 people. 1,500 applicants for 60 spots the first year. They oh, cut 20 the first year. They cut another 20 the second year. So they, the idea is for them to av- average a class of 18 to 20. So Jeez. I got cut in that second year. And... Uh, you know, Chickless and I were like room, you know, roommates and friends and stuff. So we hung out. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a great dude. And uh, so, um, so BU. And then uh, once I got cut, I was just like kind of devastated. Like all my, like I had my portfolio with all my like Gerber sketches and my first headshots and print stuff, and and, uh, and I left it at the airport. Really? As, as if to say like that, like like screw like, this, like I'm life, done. Like I'm not an actor anymore. Like, you know, I was I was crushed. I was I'm really sure. crushed. And, you know, now it's like, I'm going back to Boston. I'm going to speak at BU. <laughs> Are <laughs> and, you? Yeah, I'm not offering them any money, but I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for my my uh, honorary degree. <laughs> <laughs> they, they gave one they, they gave one to, like, Gino, you know, Davis. They gave, like, other people that have not graduated. You know, Rosie didn't graduate. There's a lot of famous people that got cut, you know, and you're <laughs> like, it's kind of actually better to get cut, you know? Uh, so... Uh, then I like find myself, you know, uh, going to New York. You know, a, a friend of mine that I went for, went to BU with uh, had an apartment up in Washington Heights, and an actress named Frances Conroy, who no one knew who she was then, who? but Frances Conroy from who's that? No, I'm uh, just yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was subletting her apartment, but then my friend that got the apartment. Uh, decided to try uh, acid, so he did ten hits of acid oh. and was declared legally insane, and so he was locked into into Bellevue, and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I was like taking care of this apartment 
for Franny Conroy and she was in LA and like, I've got these cats and I'm allergic to cats. And so I was like, <laughs> so I'm taking care of the apartment for Francis Conroy, you know, and, uh, uh, which was hilarious. Cause years later I do American horror story with her and hanging out. She's like, Oh my God, you kept my apartment in Washington Heights. You know and I was That's like? Awesome. I did. I did. Cause upstairs was Randall Nell and Mary McDonald where they, they lived upstairs. I don't know who that is. Yeah. They're, they're, they're they did a couple of things, cool. but Mary McDonald, you would know okay. dance with wolves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now she's like on another series, but, uh, uh, so I end up in New York city, you know, and there'd be phone calls that would come in for her. And I was like, well, she's in LA and like the public theater would call this theater called ensemble studio theater would kept calling and they're like, Oh, well, we wanted it for this one acts. And, and I was like, Oh, well, you know, well, what's, what's your theater company like? And she's like, well, why don't you come down? You know? So I became like an intern at ensemble studio theater, which is like a, they're like the king of one acts. They, they kind of created the whole uh, concept of one act, you know, things. And so I started there as like an intern, same deal, like taking tickets, cleaning toilets, uh, you know, watching, uh, being a reader for auditions. Now that was huge. Yeah. I learned so much from being a reader on the general auditions or even on the callbacks and stuff. But for when the one act plays and some of these like founding theater company members were like Shel Silverstein, Wendy Wasserstein, it's uh, David Mamet. Uh, wow. I mean like, you know, you're going, you know, it's uh, Chris Durang, uh, uh, oh, wow. uh, you know, it was like the, you're seeing these amazing playwrights that are coming yeah. through there. Richard, Richard Greenberg. And I was like, these are playwrights that became huge later on. Yeah, certainly. It, you know, at the time, Craig Lucas, no one knew, kind of knew who he was, you know. So so I got to do all uh, – that's where the hustler kind of mentality came in is that there was a time in New York and that time in the 80s in New York where, you know, no joke, I would be out three nights a week doing play, free play readings around the city. So much so that an agents would, that was the old days, agents would be going to things, either watching their uh, clients do stand-up or going to theater. You'd see agents all the time. So my first agent I got was from being in a play with another, with another client, you know. Wow. Um, but, with, you know, that was a time, I mean, in New York, easily, I probably did 200 plays in seven years. Wow. Jeez. So you lived in New York for about seven years? Yeah, about seven years. So I came into New York. I literally had $200 in my pocket. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> $200 in my pocket. And when I left, I was on Broadway. I'd been on Broadway on Six Degrees of Separation for about a year and a half, making about 70 grand a year. That's So awesome. I thought that was a pretty good time to that's, leave. I'd say that's a good success. That was a good success story. Yeah. You know? Now, I may have this wrong, but did you go to clown college? I did not go to clown college. Oh. Were you in the circus or something? I remember no. like first meeting you, you telling me something about clowning. No. Oh, I used to when I was a kid, I was my, my cousin and I would my cousin was a magician and I was his clown. I was Hocus Pocus the clown. <laughs> so we did we, we, we did shows in Chicago. He was the Steve Ryan, the children's magician. I like how he like so, glanced over that section of life. Just, well because I I, I kind of glance over those early things only because I have this tendency now that I feel like uh, I feel like I need to kind of give back because I've had like tremendous amount of fortune that that that's been earned blood, sweat and tears. But I feel like there's a uh, uh, lately when I lately now now that I've been teaching in the last three years, I've learned so much that I feel like I got to keep uh, it. There's a giving mentality to it. So I feel like, yeah, I could talk about and go through stories about my early life and that's fun. And that's, that's great to do. But I also feel like there's so many things that I know that I'd like to impart. Cause I'm also just feel like this. I'm on like the act three of my career. You know, I, I used to think, uh, I, I look at, do you know the play American Buffalo? Yeah. Okay. So I know that play very, very well. Uh, there's, I, I always say an actor's career is like the three stages of the three characters in American Buffalo. So there's, there's Bobby who is the, you know, he's a heroin addict and he's, you know, simple minded and he's trying, but he's eager to please and he'll, he'll, he'll do anything. It's like a, a young actor. It's like, You'll show up to the opening of an envelope. That's how hungry, <laughs> hungry and desperate you are, right? And then there's Teach. Teach is like he's not, he's not quite the 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 best criminal. He's got a little chip on his shoulder, you know. But he's he's a little entitled. But you know, but he's but he knows his stuff, you know. And he's you know he's in he's still trying to grind it. He's but he's not getting. He's still striving and fighting to be 
where he thinks he should be. And then there's Bobby Teach, and then there's Donnie. And Donnie just kind of just sits there and directs traffic, and he just kind of shows up. So I always feel like the actors' stages are Bobby Teach and Donnie. So Bobby, it's like in the beginning, you're willing to do anything to die. And there is, there is a crack mentality to being an actor. It's like there, we talked, you talked about in your show. It's like there's, there is crazy touched. You know, once you kind of get that bug, it, it is a di- it's an addiction of which you will lose relationships, jobs, uh, f- friendships, you know, security. It's, it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. Right. But, it, you know, there's this it's hard, man. Like just to see like I, I have a lot of actor friends and obviously I'm married to one just to, you know, you put in all this time, all these years um, maybe you don't become, you know, famous, but you work, you know, it, I mean, it's just hard to go back to something else or to do I, something I can't. else. I, I, mean, I, I realized that I was over invested. My wife and I had these conversations about I'm over invested. You're over invested. I'm all in. Yeah. I mean, because I, because I also feel too, I'm also, I'm really into excellence. I'm really into striving for being an amazing actor. And so I'm will, and I'm willing to work at that every single day. Even when I'm coaching and teaching from people, I'm trying to glean, not just I'm trying to walk the walk and talk the talk too. Right. But I'm also trying to glean information of like how do I go about articulating what, what I'm trying to help you learn and, and how would I how would I be able to figure out a way to do that? Man, that's a really great tool for an actor to kind of just. So it's been amazing in that regard. <clears throat> but it goes to that that point that you were saying, and I got lost on it for a second, but about. These there's these phases of times in your life, you know, that you uh, uh, I'm all I'm all in, you know, like I can't go backwards and and, and also feel like because I'm dedicated to excellence there there is there is a, a prevailing mediocrity to some things that happen in our business. I mean, the fact that like, you know, Twitter followers or, you know, Instagram followers actually mean something in a casting room. That's a sad, that's a sad commentary uh, on our craft. Means something to our podcast. So please. Well, no, uh... it, it does. It does. <laughs> it does in that regard. But I'm talking about just in terms of straight craft. No, I, but I feel like, yeah, you know, yeah. at a certain point it's like, I can't, I'm all in, like I can't do anything else. I've invested so much that right. it's like, I can't do anything but get better, better in, in, in incremental things. And that's where it goes in. The, I'm in that I'm in between the teach and the Donnie phase And that teacher thing is like you're trying to prove I still have things to prove. And also I find even with all the success I've had and, and you can and that's relative in, in people's terms. But uh, I still, you know, it's like I still think I got to get better. I can't rest on any particular laurels I, and I don't feel entitled. I do sometimes feel entitled when I go like recently I got this you know movie offer and it's just like. The offer came on a, on a on a Sunday to shoot on a Tuesday, and and uh, you said and, yes on a Sunday evening. Uh, yeah, well, I said <laughs> yeah, but what are you paying me? You yeah. know, and like you're going to pay me the same amount of money as if I just got a SAG card, and this would be my 80th movie. Right. Yeah. Come on, yeah. really? And you're shooting in 48 hours. Right. <laughs> But then I really want to do the. But then it's I really want leverage. to do the role, and it's something I haven't done or haven't had seen on film. Something similar to what I've done, but it's different. Yeah. But I kind of go like, wow, really? Like I'm 135 credits in, and you're going to pay me as if I just got a, a card, and, and and it's like means nothing. And then I get on set, and the director's just like, oh my god. I so fought for you. They wanted to, they wanted to throw money at like movie stars. I was like, this guy, this guy did. And I, and I did no joke. It was 12 pages of paragraphs of dialogue that I turned around the exact same day. Awesome. Now I just did this re- just yesterday. I did 11 pages with a five hour turnaround, totally off book and tons of action, gunplay, like all kinds of stuff. But it's like, that's, I'm that's, a closer. That's what like you it, do. That's what I do. I'm a closer in baseball, but you got to pay for the closer. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's a that's a little bit of a hard thing for me. So there is that teach phase of like I'm not I'm not the I'm not the the star criminal, <laughs> you know, because right. teach is always like he's got that like like wait why am I not getting uh, getting no respect here, you know? Like I feel like what am I you know? I, but then oh, there's Rodney that Dangerfield. but then there's times where on the Donnie phase where I just kind of sit there and I do my work. Yeah. I don't have to do all the Bobby and the teaches and I don't have to anything to prove. It's like the, the Dallas Buyers Club. Perfect example. It's like just being 
I did something in Dallas Buyers that I never did before. I used to come up to actors and I introduced myself. But because this was a strained relationship between father and son, mm-hmm. and you basically abandon your child because he's gay. And he's Jared had his headphones on and he was like getting his all his makeup done to look like he had AIDS. I don't know this guy. I don't know this person at all. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna talk to this person other than in character. And we did that for forty two takes. Wow. And at the end of the thing, Jared reached over and goes, Who are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm James. Your, I am your I father. I am your father. <laughs> so my point awesome. is is that, you know, then you get those kind of the Donnie phases of your career where you're just like, you know what? All the things you've done, and this is what I say to actors, if you put in effort, I mean, real, honest, true effort. Now, true, you might have spent a lot of money and time with false prophets, people that should not be teaching or not be philosophizing and talking about things that they've never done on camera or in life or professionally. If you're trying to teach or learn from those folks, stop, save your money for people like that are working professionals because they will guide you down a road of like, you're not going to get anywhere. But it's like, I do believe every single thing that I have done, nothing was wasted. It's hard to really kind of accept that, and it's hard to believe that at times, but it's 100% true. One of the things that I think about a lot, and I think that this may apply uh, to your career, um, is, you know, in our area, in the Southeast, we have this, you know this great tax incentive program with uh, all these projects happening over the last 10 years, you know, maybe there are actors who develop their career in this market and then something happens to, you know, take away half of the business, you know, like we saw a couple of years ago where things, you know, of course when I moved my whole life here, right. So (laughs) it all goes away and I'm like, wait, what did I do? Moving your life, like at what point as an actor are you so invested that you become the vagabond actor who uh, you know travels with the circus you know and you move to Atlanta and you move to New Orleans for work you know maybe you maybe you work, are a working actor and you're a recognizable face but you're not a name in Hollywood you know that has like the giant manager or the giant agent who can you know who has the connections with the right casting office to get you into whatever series or, or whatever that's coming up. You know, you you are this uh, day player, for lack of a better term, or, you know, uh, a character actor who, you know, goes gig to gig. Right. You know, um, how do you how does an actor deal with that life? Like, how do you make a real life when there may be a time that you either have to like, if you want to stay in new Orleans, but everything's like dried up, you either going to stay here and not have any opportunities anymore, or you're going to have to pack pack it up and move your whole life. Like when, when do you stop doing that? Do you ever stop doing that? I don't think I ever stopped doing that. You don't, I don't just because I've like, look, I had a cool story that you will appreciate. So I was friend of mine was doing ADR work on a click Adam Sandler movie. And they wanted, and it was not very funny. And they wanted to, they wanted to pump it up with some jokes. So, me, she invited a couple actor friends to come and put these jokes down. So we go, we're going in the booth, but before us was like David, David Hasselhoff was in the movie, and so David's like signing autographs and giving things. And then all of a sudden, just before me was Henry Winkler, and I was like, oh my god, it's the Fonz. It's 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 it is Yale graduate. You know, Henry Winkler, amazing producer, owns the rights to MacGyver, by the way. Really? Andy and just got his Emmy. Yeah. It was the Fonz gets an Emmy. That's a perfect. He's me too, because I was like, that's he's he's part of my era. So my point is, is that he he learned he taught me a really great lesson. So after the the uh, after he does his ADR, he comes out and he shakes my hand and he palms. There's a card in his in my hand. I go, what the hell is this? And he, at that point in time, he was on a series with my friend Stockard Channing called Out of Practice. And he had like a business card that said, Out of Practice Tuesdays on CBS. And he goes, turn it over. And on the back, it says, best wishes, Henry Winkler. And he goes, I autographed it for you. And he goes, but please watch the show. And I go, wait a minute. Did I just get solicited by the Fonz? Like, what the? And I realized, oh, it's a hustle. It's, it's a hustle at every level. Wow. If the if the Fonz has to hustle me that he never knew to watch his TV show, what's my excuse? Why am I not 
if it's a 90-10 split between me and my agents, why am I not doing 90% of the work? Think about that, actors. I'm on a 70-30 split, and I still do 70% of the work. I find I find information. You still do hundred percent of the work. I do. Well, no, no. I, look, they negotiate stuff. No, I you know, know, and they and they do. They opened up doors for me back in New York. You know, I'm on the good fight. It's like I've been wanting to get back in New York for 20 years, and so my reps made that from the work that I did, flying up to New York, staying on my friend's couch. Talk about the Vagamond thing. I still did it. I went to I went to a open. I went to one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one casting meetings. I went to agent nights in New York. And I show them this <laughs> great story I have. Is I show this, I go to this agent thing and they do these, you know, you do a scene and then they write these little comments. I was like, oh, look, I, I need to open up New York. I need to get back in New York. I just, now that I live in New Orleans, you know, I knew moving this, this for me, I knew moving. I started to look, where is my greatest earning potential? Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized with the tax incentives, Atlanta stuff that's happening here in New York with tons of television, I said, I have more earning potential on the East Coast than the West, because I'll go into the West Coast and I'll read for a guest star role against someone who has three Emmys against a guy that I've been watching for 20 years who had his own show against another guy who has an Oscar for supporting actor. And we're all in there reading for the same roles like that's that's brutal. That's you know, brutal. that's brutal. And so. Um, I was like, where, I had to think about my wife's from Louisiana. You know, I had to think about where's my greatest earning potential. But even for me, like to open up New York, I had to fly up to go see the producers, see Mark Sachs, who I've known my first gave my first TV gig. So I had to fly up there and get in front of, you know, all these people, Madam Secretary and get in front of him. And I had to prove just like I did with you in the early process. I was like, I'll show up, man. I mean, I used to fly. I'd fly from L.A. to Dallas. I'd get in a car. I'd drive from Dallas to Shreveport to come read for you. Then I go back and get. I'd stay at my sister's house, sister-in-law's house in Shreveport. Get in a get in a car, drive back to Dallas, fly back to L.A. Only for my friend Jim to get back in L.A. to get the gig. <laughs> you know, and be like, that's folks. If you're not putting the investment in, yeah, no, no deposit, no return. I, I remember. Mean, the I did that. I remember the first time meeting you, um, Brenda. Netsberger uh, called her amazing email. agent by the way Brenda and she's uh, love her. she's like I want you to meet James Dumont and you came to my office that was in the dog food warehouse yeah in Shreveport and ha and gave me a copy of a movie you had produced yeah cellar a horror, door horror movie <laughs> and creepy uh, movie by I, the way. I remember this first time I ever met you I knew nothing about you and then you know started getting auditions and didn't realize like the Dumont method, you know, it's like, <laughs> what, what is a, the Dumont method? I, I, I what is it? The oh, hustle. It's a hustle, man. Yeah, it is a hustle. I, I just, you know, I think the lesson that, uh, young actors or any actor who wants to work could take from you is your willingness to, um, do what you have to do to get the job yeah. without compromising who Integrity. you are. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you always audition. You know, I mean, a straight offer is great. But yeah, you, you, I've gotten, you know, this one. The, the recently, I got a big studio straight offer, but that's from my third project working with the director, Peter Burke. What, what do you think about um, actors who start to get successful? You know, like maybe they get a a nice recurring on a series that becomes popular, and then suddenly they they think they don't have to read anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous. I yeah. mean, because he, he, my philosophy, and Jason's been in my on-camera workout, the audition is the job. See, I prepare auditions as if I've already been cast, so I do all the work in preparation as if I'm gonna when I'm showing up to the audition or whether I'm taping it, mm -hmm. I'm preparing as if I'm ready to take whatever notes or direction. See, so it's not a test, it's not a trial, it's not a, you know, it's a, it, it, the audition is the job. So, you know, you guys were talking earlier in this podcast about you know actors showing up well i just got this and i was yeah. like no you didn't nah. and you know and i just told you that i just did 11 pages in five hour turnaround right so that's me i'm, I'm a seasoned pro and that's the deal but the point is people now are calling me because of that so it's like you know you you, you know prepare the audition is the job so do it as as you would yeah and we, and, and i go why would because how you don't prepare or what you don't do in the audition tells us everything about you in terms of your professionalism how you're going to be on set so it's like if you come in unprepared and you don't know things yeah. you're coming apologizing having excuses 
man, no one's got time for that. And do you I think mean, we're, like really what kind of what how much how much uh credibility do you think you're gonna have in the eyes right. of me or the decision makers? And do you think I'm gonna you, show this is how we're starting our relationship? You, you think know? I'm gonna show an unprepared audition? Absolutely like, not. I no, I want right. good choices. Yeah. And then I know that James Dumont, I know you're gonna deliver gonna a try. solid audition. But I'm human too. I also yeah. kind of like I'm juggling a lot of stuff. You'll have off days. Yeah, you know, it's like sometimes I'm like I'm on my game, sometimes I'm not. But I just feel like uh you know, there have been a few series here in New Orleans that have done really well, like in the network ratings and all that, and have been popular. Um, and I just feel like there are a handful of actors who, you know, work for 20 years at it or whatever that got a moderate success from being on those shows the walking dead's perfect example and uh, walking yeah. dead i mean like uh, uh, but but some actors you know it i don't want to say it goes to their head but then they become like well i deserve i'm entitled man entitled's I, a double edged sword I'm, and i go and i i vacillate between this all the time i do i mean like cuz there's times where i go why why can't you just make an offer like i like i got enough of my real i've already played this guy right. just show him this real show him that thing but there but we're in a we're in a kind of lot of chefs in the kitchen i don't have to tell you you know that right. sometimes there's a, people are afraid to make decisions not always gonna, like i have to go up to la sometimes and get in front of nine decision makers in a room right. and still not come up with the job because I kind of go, but then I'm like, God, there's not, why is there nine people in here that have to make this decision? And they won't do tape. It has to be live. The decisions made in that room and I'm pinned twice for the show. But I kind of go like, I, 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 I look, you're going to audition more than you're going to act. Yeah. So auditioning is your only chance to act this today, this week. Why would you not do that? I mean, I get the philosophy and look, I'm, I'm a loyal person and I, and I'm not with, I'm not with the heaviest reps and I, I see people get with some of these other folks and they're like getting paid outrageous amounts of money and they're not, they're not nowhere near the skill set that I have. And so, you know, you're kind of like, well, what the hell's up with that? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm making a mistake, but then I go, no, the kind of work that I do, like, I can't wait. Like Tim Phillips is my mentor, period. Who, you know, who do I get a chance to be? Just like when you were little kids. Is that his? The reason, yeah, that's his philosophy. Who, who do, I get, do I get a chance to be? to be? If you stay with that, you're never, you're never going to be, you're never going to go dry and feel entitled about anything. Because even us as little kids, when I was a little kid, okay, I'm going to be the fireman and you're going to be a thing and you're going to be the cop. It's like, it, that's such a huge fundamental reason why a lot of people do this job. Like my job is to unearth human behavior in all of its beauty and ugliness and everything else in between. My job is to step into the the voice, the life of real human beings. And lucky for me, I've had some amazing historical figures that I've like people may or may not know about. You know, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? I mean, like we're getting back to that that time period. It's scary. But it's like to be able to in case channel. Case you don't know, he's that's Trumbo. It's a quote from one of his. <laughs> but characters. that was that. But that was that era. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that guy spoke what the what that era was about are you a communist are you a communist or are you a terrorist now are you an alien are you a foreigner right so my point is is that you know we get these opportunities they're opportunities and the way opportunities work and i've been putting this up on there lately there's no lost opportunities you didn't lose an opportunity someone else just grabbed it and i can tell you this those who are not really trying to get better at your craft don't worry all my students are and people who study with Tim, they're getting better because they're going in there with, I can't wait to be this person. Who do I get a chance to be? It goes back to a very fundamental thing. Like, you know, as kids, we want to play these roles. So I get this amazing opportunity to step into the soul and life of people, real human beings. Do and that's, that's rare. Do you find that most or that? Do you find that most of your students or Tim's students have the excitement about this that you do? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I find... This is, you know, a lot of the people are not going to like to hear this, but this is, and I'm sure you go through this because I've talked to most of the casting directors here about like this. There's a, because, because there's so much work here, there's a, there's a, there's a fundamental entitlement attitude and that, um, and that, oh, well, I didn't get it. So don't worry. There's another role. There's something next. Well, you know what happens after a while is if you're not, if you're consistently not doing your best for you. Then that person just gets relegated. Oh, he can just do the, th the two, three lines things. And that's great. You're going to make a great career just doing staying in that kind of zone if that's what you want. But I think I've had I've struggled so much with 
a fundamental philosophy of entitlement here in the South, uh, particularly in New Orleans, because there's always going to be another opportunity as opposed to, well, why don't I look at what I've done and try to, you know, improve on that in order to become better? Well, sometimes you don't have time because you're moving on to the next thing. But I mean, the fundamental idea that that one doesn't have to study or one doesn't have to get better or rest on laurels of what somebody knows them for, or I'm in now because I'm doing these things, I'm entitled to not have to read. And I and I was like, really? I think you should you should put your best work in front of people. You know, like I got this movie, and this guy said they wanted movie stars in this movie. They wanted they were. I mean, I fought like hell for you. Because we put the casting out and within 24 hours, you put 11 pages down in three scenes and you never once, I never once saw you look at the script. Now, little does you know, I had, I had three copies of the script <laughs> pasted all over my sister's house in LA because I was working in LA and I was like, and I was like, I got to turn this around. I got to turn this. This is a cast director that like went cold on me and I was like, I got to, I got to prove to them that I'm that I that I could do this you know and I was like I got to turn it in because I have a live audition the next day in LA so like I, I either either I just leap out onto this and do it same thing with yesterday I was just like how the hell am I going to do this in five hours I mean this is 11 pages of heavy dialogue yeah and and it but the point is is that it's from years of collectively get, doing these things that you just get better but I but I do I think there's some people that are very because there's such diversity. There's such opportunities for all the different colors and types of people and projects mm-hmm. that there, there's a tendency where they don't feel like they have to get better. And right. I go, man, don't worry. Cause my students are, and I'll tell you now that you have somebody like true, if you're an actor in Atlanta and you're not getting in front of Tim Phillips in terms of auditions, you're, you're the craziest person in the world because that guy is the Sanford Meisner of auditions. That guy is the is the Uta Hagen of auditions. Wow. There's no one who knows more 50,000 he's coached 50,000 people over a period of time. Damn. And he's taken my work to the level where I'm working on equal terms with Oscar winners. So like I'll never stop loving him and like Larry Moss because those people are as I as I'm all about committed to excellence in the craft. So if you're not committed to excellence, that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. There are people who are, yeah. and you're going to lose jobs to them. I'm, I guarantee that's it. like I always say, like, if you're not prepared, the next guy is going to be. Right. You know? you know? So what do you do, James, like, when when things aren't going great, you know, and you're not booking? Like, how, <laughs> what, how do you stay sane and, like... I have a, I have a, I have a phrase called, I have shit on my shoes. It's basically, it's like when, when things go cold or dry. It's like you walked around and you stepped in dog shit. And then you're like, oh, okay, I got to get this dog shit off my shoes. Cause, and then you walk in the room and you're like, does everybody know I have dog shit on my shoes? It's like, and even if they don't, there's that, there's that feeling like, oh, I think they think I stepped in dog shit. I got it off my, I'm pretty sure I got it off my shoes. So, you know, <laughs> so there's times where you, there's times where it does uh, dry. Like uh, my, my dear friend, Scott Wilson, who passed away from The Walking Dead. Um, amazing act from far more than that in the heat of the night. But, uh, he, he went four years without working. You know, for me, when I go through those dry spells and I've gone through six and nine month dry spells and I'm the breadwinner, that's like just pulling all the savings from residuals out and house sale and all that. Like it's, it's scary as hell. Um, and then you, then you nail like a law and order that gets you, that, you know, replenishes your entire savings account, you know, but you go through, you go through a dry spell. The thing that I say is I'm a Buddhist. So I believe that everything is cause and effect thoughts, words, and actions. And that if you're really starting to go dry and things aren't kind of happening for you, you should be making huge kind of causes that are totally selfless without any, without any idea that you ever want anything back. 100% unconditional Try to do something totally hard and great that you never did before. One of my dearest friends is Jovial Kemp, a character actor, does Santa Claus and end up having like, you know, almost losing his leg, heart attack. And I'm like, this is Santa Claus. <laughs> like, you know, so I did. I never did a GoFundMe thing and I did one for Jovial. And I'm just like, I love this. He's the sweetest man in the world. And it's like he donates his time to like, you know, an, a children's hospital. And then he makes his money doing a commercial where he's making, you know, He's Santa Claus for Audi, you know, but then it's like, so for me, it's like I was going through a dry spell. I was like, Jovial, please let me do a GoFundMe. <laughs> like, I got to make a great, I got to make a big, great cause. I got to do something to really break this kind of dry spell or cycle. And that's how I feel is like, 
I wish I should be, I, I try to do it more often and the way I do it in my work and teaching, that's how I feel like I'm kind of giving back. I mean, they pay me, but it's really for my experience and my time, but it's not like a, it's not a living and it's not a job and I don't try to fill classes. It's like, it's, it's my way of kind of giving back, you know? Have you ever, has there ever been any other job or career that you've thought about doing? Well, I, I was Not, a DJ for many years. I don't know if people know that, but I was a DJ in New York. Like a radio DJ? No, no. Like like oh, the like last parties. summer of Studio 54, I pulled records when they closed up. And Limelight and Palladium and Dance Ateria and The World and Save the Robot. You know, I was part of the... I was originally from Chicago. So the house music was played by Larry LeVan, who was my mentor in DJing at the warehouse. That's where house music came from. So I, I know how to play original house as it's intended on turntables, Technique 1200s. I have them at my house. And so like from, you know, that DJ world, like I straddled between the DJ world in New York and acting. I was doing, I had, I had all the booze cruises around the Statue of Liberty. So I would do, I would go, I would Such go set up, <laughs> I would go set up my DJ gig with my partner and he would do the first two cruises. Then I'd go, uh, he, I, I'd leave, I'd go up to Lincoln Center, I'd do six degrees of separation on Broadway. <laughs> Uh, Shut up. Yeah. I had a 7.30 half hour. The show was the show was done by 9.30. I jump on a train. I go down to the South Street Seaport. I do the 10 o'clock cruise. I do the 12 o'clock booze cruise around the Statue of Liberty. Then we pack it up and do it. And I did that for many years. And then in the club scene, like I actually have a scar in the back of my head from uh, I got shot with a 38. What? In limelight. Yeah. I didn't play a song for this one gang member and he waited till two in the morning for me. Uh, four in the morning. You got and shot in the head? I got it right here. There's a little scar right in the back of my head. Uh, eighth of an inch, you know, less, I, I wouldn't be able to tell this story. So I got out of the club scene because it was just way too dangerous. So I did mobile DJing. I would have just done DJing because I was making 1500 a night cash in the nice. mid-80s in New York. Statu- and my rent was four thirty. limitations. And, yeah, exactly. And my, and my rent was four thirty five a month with studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen. Wow. So, you know, like that was a whole other like life that I what could have easily What was the recovery like from being shot? Was it like a, a just like a like a graze wound? Or yeah, like- graze. Like the bullet. Just the, the bullet just grazed my head. You know, eighth of an inch different. Would have, I ducked down behind a, a trash can uh, because I didn't play a song. I'd already played the song earlier in the evening. I was 21. I was very arrogant. I was like, I don't play repeat songs. And then he's like, yeah, I'll give you money. Look, I don't want your drug money. And he got really pissed Ooh. off. Then I had him lifted up and thrown in the street. And then he, he waited for me. Shit. See, you talk about arrogance. See, this is the thing. I, I think entitlement and arrogance, folks, will kill anybody's career, but it'll really kill an actor's career. Because I, I remember. Literally. No, it, literally. Literally. And it almost <laughs> killed me. So I just feel like, you know, uh, yeah, I just entitlement to, is, a, is, a, is a double-edged sword. Wow. I have a... So, a couple questions before you. I'm sure we're going to turn the table in a second, but because um, I've taken your your on camera class, which I highly recommend. Thank a you. quick funny story is uh, James was coming on the show I I did before, and like the night before he was going to come on, or maybe two days before, he said, "Hey, you want to come check out my class?" So I'm like, "Absolutely!" So he sends me four or five pages of of a scene. He's like, "You're not going to be off book. I don't expect it. Don't worry about it." I was like, "F that!" So I stayed up like all night. I was like, "I'm going to get off book for this class." So I show up, and it was a great class. But Thank what you. are what are one or two things that um you you teach in in class or that you recommend that maybe you see as a common theme that that newer actors uh need to learn in their auditions well i think think the five basics are like things that taught that tim taught me and also larry moss was my other teacher who is he has a book called intent to live both these books intent to live and uh tim phillips audition for your career not the job which basically sums up my career is auditioning for your career not the job that each time you do your best you know, you may not get that job. You'll get some job if you keep coming in consistently doing really good, strong, you know, pr- you know, positive work. Um, I think the big one is uh, the five basics. You know, who am I? Character name. Where am I? Where am I? Day, night. What my office? You know, the barn. Uh, how do I feel? What's my? What's the one emotion that starts the scene? You know, happy, mad, glad, or sad is the basic ones they sign. You know, but pick one. Don't think you can do two actors. Just pick one, one emotion. Um, And then here's the big one. This is Tim's thing that I really, really love. In terms of objectives, what do I want you to understand about me? That I what? That I love what I do. What I want you to understand about me is that I love what I do. So every single thing that I say and do this scene fits into that, into that, that objective. I mean, all the things that I do in Larry Moss's book is about intentions. You know, human beings don't do anything without an intention. 
consciously or subconsciously. So the more clear and specific and honest your intentions are, beat for beat going towards your objective, that's a crafted audition. Craft wins. I've outcrafted names, and that's how I've gotten roles. And that's always going to be the ding. It's always going to be the thing for me. It's, I'm not going to outfame them. I'm not going to out, you know, Instagram them. I'm not going to out agent them. I'm not going to out cue them in terms of their known thing. But I will, out, I will outcraft you. I will, I will outread you. You know, and Chickless taught me that because Chickless auditioned for the Shield. They would not read him for it. Yeah. Because they felt he was too old and and too out of shape. And he had to he had to send a tape in, and that led to a gold, you know, Golden Globe and an Emmy. And so it's like that was a big lesson for me to go, wow. And then Dallas Buyers, they told me there was two names in New York and two names in L.A. But because I was working with Tracy Kilpatrick here, and we did forty, we did we did twenty takes of one scene just in my callback as I'm trying to catch my plane to the airport to go back to L.A. Uh, Jean Marc was like, that guy can deliver over and over and over. And then, of course, 42 takes in the real. Sh- you know, cut into eight different, you know, cuts for one scene. You know, I have friends who are working on Mindhunter. One of our dear friends we were just talking about was working on Mindhunter. They do 50 takes per camera setup. They do two hours of rehearsal before the camera people even come in. So do you understand? It's like I'm the things that I do in my workout are there. It's the reason it's a workout. I'm not, I'm not trying to teach a philosophy. It's like I teach by opportunity. I see what you're doing. And I go, oh, this is ways to improve that. I'm not selling a book or philosophy or cl- try to fill a class or an ideology from a particular teacher. You know, it's an x-ray. You, when you get in front of a camera, it's like, I see the bones and I go, okay, good. Let's just like you guys, when you come in, like actors come in and you go, Oh, let me see what you're going to do. It's like you teach by, you coach by opportunity things you've heard from, conversations, emails about, oh, what about this? Or they saw these actors. No, not that. So it's like you're able to guide them. That's an amazing thing of like, so I think hitting your five basics is is it. And also three-act structure. Man, folks, it's a beginning, middle, and end. It's just like gymnastics. If If you're a gymnast at the pommel horse, the way that that person, the speed with which that person starts, man, as Brent said, the, the audition may be over in the first 10, 15 seconds. If you don't start strong, stop and say, can I start again? But you better be ready. <laughs> Come around. But gymnast, that starting, that the way you start is everything. So all your five basics need to be covered. Who am I? Where am I? How do I feel? What do I want this person to understand about me? What's my one emotion, right? That's your start. Then when you hit that pommel horse, that's the thing in the middle, you have this form and this technique. There's a turn. Every scene has this turn. Every scene will have a turn, beginning, middle, and your judges are evaluating on your middle. Oh, where did he see the turn in the middle of the scene? And then it's the end. It's sticking the landing. So beginning, middle, and end. If you're not doing the three-act structure in audition, that is a forgettable, general, vague, boring audition. Will not go further. I watch people do that with eye lines outside of the frame, and I'm just like, beginning, middle, and end. Tim asked another thing at the the last line of dialogue or your second last line of dialogue in the scene is usually the thread or the spine or the through line of the scene. So if you know that's where you end, work your way backwards. Well, where do I start? Some people have a lot of these auditions. They they start where they end and then nothing happens in between. One note. You hear those word one note about Mm -hmm. it. It's craft, folks. If you're not doing the craft, don't worry. Somebody else will. I am. My students are. That's really you either you either get crafted or you know, you, hope, or you, or post up more pictures on Instagram. Yeah, because if you have more Instagram posts than credits, just make it a your, story. Your priorities are mixed up. A beginning, middle, and end story yeah. on Instagram. Um, I if if you're an actor out there and you're not listening to that bit of advice, uh, then stop listening to us because <laughs> that's like a, I mean that's key and like what a solid. Uh, theory uh behind it all to to have you know and, and if you can like get your mindset wrapped around that who do i get a chance to be yeah. you get a chance to act yeah. i have this thing that i read before classes and i want to share this because it's it it is it's a big distinction that we have particularly in this time so i wrote this this is kind of my uh, uh you know my jerry Maguire moment dear actors you will have many people in your life taking an interest and in investing in your success from your parents, a spouse, other family and friends, and especially an agent or manager. For agents and managers, their interests are in part financial, which is totally understandable as they are investing in you. This business and your success is what provides them with an income. But actors should invest themselves and put their total focus on achieving excellence, not success. And also get others around them to invest in their excellence too. 
Many people in acting think success and excellence are the same thing. Not true. Excellence is lasting, dependable, and largely within your control. Success, on the other hand, is perishable, temporary, fleeting, and largely out of your control. Strive for excellence, and you're more likely to end up with success. People who put excellence first have the patience to end up with success. On the other hand, people who focus entirely on success are threatened by the successes of others. They usually resent those who strive for and achieve excellence. Why? Because it exposes what they are not willing to do in order to achieve excellence. It's a biggie. Those are the haters out there. People who focus on excellence are inspired by the excellence of others. They seek their company. They're thrilled for their success. People who focus on success first are usually obsessed with shortcuts, quick fixes, constantly seeking the easy path, turning bitter, and easily quitting when nothing materializes. Actors who put excellence first understand the value of working hard, day in and day out over the years, investing the time and the money it requires to really learn something well enough to become excellent at their craft. So they have the chance to become the kind of actor everyone would die to work with. So dear actors, please invest in your excellence and perhaps success will follow. And remember, every day you're either moving forward or backwards. And that's, 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 that's awesome. what I'm about. You know, I, I, I usually read that before I start my workouts to go, this is what I'm here to do. I'm interested in unearthing and figuring out the craft of, of on-camera work as it, opposed, as it works to auditions, either in live or in tape. Mm-hmm. But I'm striving for excellence. I may not get there, but damn it, I'm striving for it. Right. And I'm not interested in being, you know, the success will follow. That's awesome, James. Like, it's very clear that you are committed to this life. You have a great point of view about acting and a great attitude towards it. And I think, you know, anyone anyone seasoned or younger that's looking to learn would truly benefit from from your techniques or Tim Phillips techniques that you implement in your classes. And thank you. I've really, really thank you for thinking about this podcast today oh man, and I've, having I've, I've so been, much i was a little jealous for a while i was like why is he calling me and i'm like i'm out I of knew, town he's just like i knew like, you Ryan's were calling these on. other people and no one's calling me and like i knew you were i have all these on. cool stuff he's studying you know but no so i'm just happy we're doing it and and, and it's beautiful and i'm really it, it it's it, it's it's uh, i love it on so many different levels you know it, it is purely a personification of your you know talk about your commitment to excellence and you're and, and you're wanting to go like look you know, it's true, folks. Let me be real honest with you. I, I've worked with tons of actors. The talent pool in Louisiana, yeah, bring it. There are other people I, I, we out go, there. We go. We go. We're we, here. We, man. We're here, man. You know, it, it is. It is not all country bumpkins. You know, coon asses <laughs> here. You know, the 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 caliber and the quality of the talent that the people that are here are amazing, and they could work in any market, and they do. Yeah. You know, now you're watching some of these. Now you're watching folks that have been in this market working in other places in the south. You know, from the south. So, you know, just Dakota Fanning was from Atlanta, folks. Young young actresses. Just you saying. know, and but she sister. decided to stay in Atlanta until L. A. called her. That's the big thing. Is the actor ever thinks one episode is cop, of Cop Number Two, NCIS New Orleans, is a good reason to go to L. A. No. Yeah. Until you work. dominate this market, <laughs> until you're like the Lance Nichols of this market, or right. whoever the whoever the person is that you walk in the you're like oh that person's <laughs> like oh they took this job until you're that person that has a studio film that you have a, that you have a good guest star role on a television series that you have a lead in a feature an indie feature then it's not time for you to go like one of our one of our dear friends that, that ryan cast in the series you know he, he's he's so, so hot right now recurred on every show in atlanta and he's like and i'm like now you're ready to go because now you have you have four episodes of a sh- of a hot show, right. you know TV show. You got you got you got a, a big studio film. I was like you you've recurred on all the shows in your market. You've dominated that market. That's a time to go. But until you're that person, why would you walk yourself into a market where you're one of yeah. ten ten thousand or fifty thousand that's represented? Yeah. It's been there since they were on the Disney Channel or did a commercial back in 84. You know, it's like that's going to those larger markets. It's like unless you're armed, I've only seen a handful of people really, really do it well. And it's because they dominated here and they were prepared for that market. Yeah. 
Awesome. This has like been so much good good stuff on this Thank episode. You. I think we can, I've been waiting. I've been I know. You've I've been, been holding like, back. It's like when I get like in there, you're a geyser. I'm gonna tell Ryan <laughs> all that. I got all this. I got. I'm gonna blow it up. So all right. Well, I I think we're about at our time. Okay. Um. Thanks, Jason. Again, Thank absolutely. As being, always, being on mic for producing, engineering. Um. What's your What's your Twitter or Instagram? Oh, so yeah, it's a, it's uh James Dumont uh on James. I think it's James Dumont on. James K. Dumont on Twitter. It's James Dumont on Instagram. Um, and folks, I got 158 posts on Instagram and 135 credits. So uh, just uh, just note that. I didn't want to be so snobby about I love Instagram. I would post more, but I'm trying to do more work. That's just my thing. <laughs> but I w- but what I will post is some cool pictures when I can on stuff on set and stuff. So and then I have an open Facebook page, but mostly my one in LA is filled uh, with five thousand, but my one in Louisiana is not. So uh, come hit me up, and if you're if you're in New Orleans or I'm going to be in Atlanta, I'm doing my workout in Atlanta. Uh, if you're in Atlanta, I'm doing my workout at the Frat Pack because uh, I love those guys and they host me. How do they so, get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you, you can find me on you find me on Facebook. Facebook. Hit me up on Facebook my, in New Orleans on my Facebook page. You can message, message me. But I literally this is how I work. I'm going to I'm going to Atlanta to do a film for a day, but I'm flying in early to do back to back on camera workouts on awesome. a Saturday. And then on Sunday I'll shoot, and then on Monday I'll train the people at Frat Pack, and then Tuesday I get back on a flight. So it's it's a it's a hustle. It's a hustle. Know, whatever. Baby, it's a hustle, babe. Hustle I'm a hustler, baby. All right. Uh, we're at Talk Like Normal at Glorioso Casting at Jason Edwards TV at Full Grown Mouse and Justin TC underscore underscore later. Oh, Ryan Adams. Um, still waiting on a song. Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. Create a searchable profile accessible by multiple casting directors who are casting major film, television, and commercial projects. MyCastingFile.com.